Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Paul admonishes us here in a few verses that we're going to look at to beware and be aware. Turn to somebody, tell them, beware and be aware. Yeah. Now, you don't know what we're talking about here, obviously, just by using those words. But that's pretty good advice, really, in life overall. But Paul is going to give us the specifications of being aware and to beware. What, oh, by the way, what do you call a country where all of the vehicles are pink? A pink carnation. Thank you. Miss Gwen, you've always got my back. I love you. I know that's a pity clap, but I'll take any kind of clap. I... <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, if you found it, it might be up on the screen. So if you, if you haven't found it, just look up there. All right, there it is. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. There are things that need to be repeated, in other words, right? How many moms and dads are here? How many times did you have to repeat things? Still repeating them. Now watch this. Beware of dogs. Now this isn't talking about literal dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Wow. Sounds like a heavy metal song. <laughs> for, for we are the circumcision. Say we are the circumcision. All right. Who worship God in, in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Thank you, Lord, for this time together in your presence with your people. There is great potential here in this moment. There is miracle potential here. Because we, Lord, are here to bring glory to your name, to set our hearts, our attention, our minds on you, to bend our ears to hear from you today. We thank you for all of the miracle power, the authority that is in your word. And we thank you, God, that <clears throat> it is of highest authority. It is alive and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword or twice-spoken word. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that it has the precision uh, to divide soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, which means your word seeks us out, spirit, soul, and body, even the very intentions that lie in our hearts. I thank you for that today, and the thoughts of our hearts. So we welcome your word to do what it does, and, and we submit here today to your word. We believe your word, and we thank you for the life that's in it, it's life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. So we thank you for all the benefits that we 
find in your word. We find uh, direction. We find correction. We find instruction. We find peace. We find wisdom. We find help, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all of the, all the power that's in it. So have your way. Let, let your word penetrate down to the, our, our deepest beings today. Because we want to experience, God, the kind of life that you came to give us. The kind of life that you died for us to have. You went to extreme measure to bring us this good life, this life in you. And so we, we welcome your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon all of us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul is writing to the Philippians, and this is one of his prison epistles. Um, and he is uh, writing from a very dark place. He's in chains, and he's there for preaching the gospel because he preached the gospel. And so he's, he's paying the price. He's, um, he's suffering for it, right? He's tribulating <laughs> through it. And this is a great trial for him because he is a mover. Paul is one who goes about and he plants churches and he likes to go and encourage churches. He likes to travel. Obviously, he did three missionary journeys. I mean, he, he wanted to go and, and get this gospel out as much as possible to as many people as possible and to establish as many churches as possible so that the gospel would get established in whatever city that the Lord was leading him to. So now he's stuck in prison, and, 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 but he doesn't, lose, he doesn't lose his focus. He doesn't lose his joy. He doesn't lose his passion. He doesn't fall into uh, uh, anxiety. He doesn't fall into depression. He doesn't fall into self-pity. No, he preaches from prison. And he says things like rejoice from this place, from his chains. He shouts to us, this apostle to the Gentiles, rejoice. Remember in, in another place he said, I may be in chains, but the word of God cannot be chained. Right? So he's confident in the message. He's confident in the word of God. So it, it, right, I'm in prison, but I can do something. Just give me a pen and paper. And I mean, who knew that this would be really Paul's greatest uh, contribution to the world, to the church, these letters that he wrote? Because, you know, those churches, uh, they, they came and, and went, and maybe some of them are still going on today, but, but the word got established, and the gospel continues to go forth today. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And actually, Paul, writing to the Philippians, and he's writing there, they're, they're very... Uh, the Philippian church is really, they have a, a, a special place in his heart because Paul had no idea that he would be going over to this region of Macedonia um, because this was west. And Paul was wanting to do all his ministry up in Asia. And, and remember in Acts chapter 16, it tells this story that, that as he's going from one city to the next, one after another, and he'd get to a city and he's, he's got his fresh 
a new disciple by the name of Timothy with him. And Timothy's left his mom and grandma. And, and, uh, and so he's, he's going with this Apostle Paul to these great adventures. And then in every town they get to, the Holy Spirit says, Paul, this ain't where you're staying. You need to keep moving. And I'm sure after a while, Timothy's like, did I, did I hear right? Am I following the right guy? This guy don't know where he's going. Let's go take the world, Timothy. Well, we're not supposed to go here. Well, no, we're not supposed to go here. The Holy Spirit said, no, no, let's not supposed to go here either. But they end up down in Troas. Um, and that's where this vision appears to Paul in the night. And, and he sees a man from Macedonia, which is west of there, saying, come over and help us. Well, we're glad he went because that, that really helped the gospel come west and therefore helped to establish Western civilization as we know it today, and, and, and because he went to Philippi. Now, now, there are other cities. Corinth is there in Macedonia. The, uh, Thessalonia is there as well. But, but Philippi was the first place he, he went to. And, and, and even Timothy, I've got to imagine that Timothy, of course, he had another guy by the name of Silas with him. I imagine these guys, even when they get there, he has a vision from God, right? <laughs> go to go to Macedonia. Come over and help us. All right, we got clear direction now. We've been told enough where not to go, but now God has told us where to go. So let's get over there. So they make this straight course run over there. They get over there, and guess what happens? They end up getting beat. Him and uh, Paul and Silas. I don't know where Timothy was. Maybe maybe Paul told him, "Run for your life, boys. <laughs> just 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 get out of here for just a little bit." And uh, and. Silas, you take the beating instead of Timothy. I don't know. But both of them, they got beaten, and now they're thrown in prison. You remember, this is where that amazing thing happens. At midnight, the Bible says that Paul and Silas in that place are singing songs and praising God and praying. And the other prisoners are listening in, right? There's plenty of opportunity to get really upset, to break down, you know, and to question Oh, is this God? God, I mean, you called us here, and this is the first experience, really. So this is the, he's writing to the Philippians. So, so I'm saying that because this was the first place that they established some kind of ministry over West. And he was so um, taken by their willingness to be givers. Now, these people were not necessarily uh, in... Uh, a good financial position. As a matter of fact, he said, he was talking to the Corinthian church about the Philippian church later on. He said, they, even in their poverty, uh, that didn't stop the riches of their liberality to give. They didn't have much to give, but they gave what they had is what he's saying. I mean, they, they, they were not worried about that. And so he, he even stood them up as a standard to other churches say, listen, these, we can learn from these guys. These guys are generous, uh, whether they're rich or poor. So <clears throat> they're very special to him. And so he's, he's encouraging the Philippian church to rejoice. And he says, it's, it's not tedious for me to say these things to you, but it's safe for you because there is an enemy to this message. There is a counterfeit message to this message. There are those who want to come in and dismantle the power of this message. They want to build their own religions. They want to add their man-made <laughs> creeds and their man-made traditions and their man-made doctrines to it and, and, and act like that 
they are perfecting what's already perfect. And the gospel is the power of God to salvation. That's it, right? I mean, Paul just keeps bringing us back to the simplicity that is Christ. And so he's, he's saying, I'm saying this to you, and I want you to rejoice in this and stay in that joy that is simply found in Jesus. And don't be moved. Beware of dogs. All right? He's talking about these that are coming in to devour. All right? They, they're not coming in with good, good intentions. They're not coming in to do anything but to manipulate and to get their con- these people under their religious control. Right? So Paul said, you got to beware of these things. you got to beware of these kinds of people because they're coming. They're coming. And, and, and then he says, beware of the mutilation. Now, what Paul specifically is talking about here, because the very next phrase in verse 3, he says, for we are the circumcision. <laughs> what he's saying is, these guys are, are going to make you think that you need to be circumcised or as a Jew so that you can then prove that you're righteous. He said, you got to beware of those who are coming in to try to throw these rules and regulations on you because he who is truly a Jew is he who is circumcised of the heart. And he says, we are the circumcision. We are. In other words, we are those who are separated now unto God. We don't look like everybody else. We don't look like the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, this is what I want you to be aware of. I want you to beware of those evil workers, those who have ill intent, those who are trying to come in and destroy this message, Paul being one of those guys some time ago in his life who said, I did everything I could to destroy this message. I did everything I could to blaspheme the name of Jesus. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was fighting for God, but then I found out I was fighting God. But he says, I want you to be aware because here's what we are the circumstances. This is what you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of who you are, first and foremost. And so this is who you are. You are those who worship God in the spirit. You don't worship God <laughs> through, through man-made uh, uh, gyrations, uh, through 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 jumping through the hoops, through keeping the rules in the right order, you worship God in the Spirit. And you rejoice or you brag or boast in Jesus Christ. Also, you put no confidence in the flesh. So all of what he's talking about, he's saying these things to address them, to arm them against what's coming, right? Against this false teaching against these power-hungry freaks who want to come in and dominate people's lives with their religious demands. He says, we worship God. Didn't Jesus say the hour is coming to the woman at the well and now is when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth? But I like that this, the word for worship here is the word latrio. That's Eric Holler's best attempt at Greek, okay? Supposed to pronounce all of them. That's what my dad taught me anyway. Supposed to pronounce all the the letters. Latreio. 
It means, listen to this, to minister to God, to serve or do the service. So we are serving in the spirit. A basketball in my hand is worth about 30 bucks. But what's it worth in LeBron James' hands? $35? 300 million? How about Clayton Kershaw? A baseball in his hands. What is it in your hand? Seven bucks. Right? Pastor, you've never seen me pitch. Uh, okay, forgive me for assuming that you're not as good as Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> the value of a thing is often determined by whose hands it's placed in. And you, your worship and your ministry, your service to God is of infinite value. As a matter of fact, it is of eternal value because... That is its true purpose. We serve in the Spirit. That's what we're connected to while we're here and to who we are. To worship God in Spirit means worship then isn't just some religious uh, obligation or, or duty, but rather our heart and our soul's response to God's amazing love and grace in our lives. There's this guy... That you can read about. I love his name. His name is Obed Edom. Obed Edom. Obed Edom. And Obed Edom was one who served King David. Uh, Obed um, was, it was forced upon him by King David. If you remember the story where, where David is in Jerusalem and he says, we have to get the Ark of the Covenant here. We want the presence of, because you remember back then God lived in that box. You know, and, and, and so we need, we need the box with the power in it here with us, with the presence of God. We want it here. And so David was so excited. He loved the Lord. He was all in, right? But, but he missed a few of the very important steps in how to treat that box and how to carry that box. That box was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. Well, in his haste, they put it up on a cart, and had these oxen pulling it, right? And this poor dude, by the name of Uzzah, poor Uzzah, Uzzah wasn't no more after he touches the box, trying to help steady it because one of the oxen had tripped, and so the cart does like this, so Uzzah reaches up to steady the ark, and drops dead. I, I'm, you know, it's, it's when I read stories like that, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you that you took all of that away. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us peace and confidence to come before you. Thank you that, that he moved, that thanks to you, he moved out of the box. And now he lives in us. But, Poor Uzzah. And David gets, he gets mad. He gets mad at God. Well, not only mad, but he gets, he becomes very fearful. And, and he realizes, it takes him some time to, after the fear and the initial anger, like, man, this God, you killed that guy? Why? Well, I mean, uh, David, you actually did. 
because uh, this is not to be treated as some common thing you just throw up on some cart. You're carrying the presence of God, and there is a way to do it. There's a way to honor the ushering of the presence of God. It needs to be on the shoulders of the men of God that God has called. And so, you know, under the law of Moses, you know, being under the law was uh, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. And sometimes those consequences are immediate. So here's what David does. Go to, uh, let's bring this up on the screen right quick. So David doesn't know what to do. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now think about this, right? David's scared of the box now. He's like, Obed, we're putting this in your house. Don't touch it. <laughs> like, what? I don't want that thing in my house. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Verse, verse 11. But look what happens. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom in all his household. Verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house. David finally, he got it right. He got the ark on the shoulders of the priest, and they brought it in with great celebration. But during this time, here's, here's Obed, who's been thrown into this thing now. I mean, this thing has actually been thrown into his house. And you can imagine, like, he's telling the kids, whatever you do, don't touch the box. All right? But Obed-Edom had experienced such blessing that it became a testimony everywhere. I mean, his business is prospering. I mean, he and, uh, things are just looking good for Obed-Edom. He's looking younger every day. He had truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And, and all of his house was blessed as God, the presence of God, was resting in their house. And so when David came and got the ark from Obed's house, he also got Obed-Edom. Because of this experience that Obed-Edom had, he no longer wanted to be away from the presence of God. Once he had experienced it, he had to be where it was. As a matter of fact, when you read, uh, in, in, even in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 15 and 16, you will find Obed-Edom's name in every category of ministry. It just shows up. He's a gatekeeper. Uh, he plays an instrument. He does this. He, I mean, you just see his name over and over again. Wherever that ark is, I want to be somewhere in service near that because it changed my life. Right? And we serve the Lord in spirit. And this is how we stay connected to our eternal purpose. The church is what God has chosen for you not to serve his purpose. I love that. Can I get a good amen on that one? Amen. You know, through the church, there are lots of ways for and avenues for people to serve and to worship the Lord. So you live your life in service to the one who gives us this gift of life. And then Paul says, we, we are the circumcision, and this is what our lives look like. We need to be aware of this. We worship God in the Spirit, and we rejoice, or we boast. That's the number one definition of this word. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we do that, don't we? Because we, we found out our righteousness 
is found in him. Oh, that song we sang, that faultless stand before the throne, dressed in his righteousness, right? Was that Cornerstone? Is that that? Yeah. It's not by our own works, but by his own mercy, praise God, that he saved us. So, I mean, that gives us every reason to rejoice in the Lord. Listen, when the Lord does something in your life, and, you know, I, it, it makes me want to be more aware of that, but we need to talk about it. Tell somebody about it. Talk about it. Give glory to his name. Because if we don't talk about it, we forget about it. We take the everyday kind of blessings for granted, you know? And, and, uh, and let's remember that we're experiencing those things because God loves us and because he's good to us. Not because we deserve him, but because we're favored by him. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, the, the best way to glory in something or someone or to boast about them is to talk about them. Amen. So talk about it. I mean, any other kind of boasting rather than Jesus is really quite futile, isn't it, at the end of the day? And then he says, who have no confidence in the flesh. What does that mean? It means we have faith in God. We don't trust ourselves. I found that trusting me is a miserable experience. I know I'm completely alone in that. Listen to Romans chapter 4, and I'll, I'll finish with this. We put no confidence in the flesh. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with him. In other words, I'm a dead man living. <laughs> crucified with him. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I don't live by putting my confidence in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, not faith in myself. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because think about this. God gave this, I mean, 10 simple rules, really. 10 simple laws. And Moses hadn't even come down with them, and they're already breaking one of them, right? A couple of them. They've, they've built a, a, <laughs> they built First of all, they carved an image, and they're worshiping it. Broke two of, two of the ten. So we're just not good at that. And that's what they wanted. That's what Israel wanted. They said, just give us a to-do list or a to-not-do list, and we'll do it. Or we won't do it. Whichever you don't want us to do, we won't do it. And we found out that they did what they weren't supposed to do and they didn't do what they were supposed to do because yeah. we're not made to follow rules. We're made to, as Crystal said, have a relationship. Yeah. That's what this whole thing is about. Not being weak in faith, listen to what it says about Abraham. He did not consider his own body. This is what, we don't put any confidence in the flesh, right? So this law comes and Romans chapter 8 says, uh, uh, let me go through it. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, that's it. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Right? The law was weak through the flesh. God did. 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And in that way, he condemned sin in the flesh because we couldn't do it because we can't put any confidence in this flesh. So this, this is why we walk by faith. Abraham did not consider his own body because he knew his own body could not produce a child at that age. He gave up on that. And he said, okay, God, this is what you said. So I'm going to believe that promise because I don't have anything, I, I, I don't have anything here in the flesh to go, yeah, <laughs> I can do this. No, it's got to be him. Yeah. I'm, Lord, I'm 100 years old, right? That's what it says. I didn't, did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So not only had to overcome his own weakness and, and inability to have a child, but even his 90-year-old wife, he did not, watch, waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? He gave glory to God. Okay? Well, did he just walk around saying glory to God? Well, I'm sure he did from time to time. But Abraham said what God said. That's what it meant to give glory to God. He got that promise in his mouth. And he said what God, God said. I am a father of many nations. Remember, he called himself. God changed his name so Abraham would start saying it. <laughs> you are Abraham. I'm father of the world. Don't have one child, but I am father of the world. Right? He, he began to believe what God said. And through his belief, oh my goodness, what happened? They had that baby. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You got to remember that. What God has promised, he is able to perform. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't give in. That's why we don't lose heart just because we don't see it in the, maybe a time frame we think we need to see it in. Faith doesn't put time constraints on the word of God. All right, we, we, we believe God. We trust him. We don't put any confidence in our own flesh. We put our confidence in him. And we give him the glory. Because these evil workers are coming in, these false teachers are coming in, and they want you bragging on them because they brag on them. Paul said, this is how fools talk. I've sacrificed so much for God. Right? I've done this. I've been through this trial. I've done this. I've done He said, this is fool's talk. At the end of the day, it's him. And let's remember this. Everybody's got trouble. <laughs> Beware and be aware. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for your precious promises. And I pray, Lord, today that faith, faith, God, because your word has been uttered here today and, and it has been heard your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I thank you, Lord, for all the potential now that's here because faith has come, because the word has come. And so whatever situation your, your, your wonderful people might be experiencing today, whatever issue, whatever trouble, Lord, here's faith. And by faith, anything's possible. As Jesus said, if you can believe, and we can, 
All things are possible to those who believe. Thank you, Father God. That because of that, we will not be moved. We will not be moved away from the hope that we have in you. We will, be, will not be moved away from this promise. We will not be moved away from believing you. And, and, and we will not be silent, but we will hold fast the confession of our faith. And we will continue to speak into our circumstances, speak into our lives, speak into our relationships, whatever that, that may be. We're going to continue to speak the word of God and watch that word manifest before us. That word, as it were, become flesh before us, materialize before our very eyes. We thank you, Father God, because you've made us like you and you made visible things happen through invisible words and we are made in your image and i thank you father god that as that for those that are here today that are that are troubled god that maybe have been dismayed by circumstances not working out or they've been holding on to a a certain promise but that today father god you'll just blow a fresh strength into their life a fresh wind in their sails in jesus name that they'll not be disheartened they'll not lose heart but lord they will take heart today and to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, to, to rejoice in you. Let me encourage you today, just take a moment. You know, if you're in a place right now where you're just kind of, you know, eh, that's the only way I can describe it. Let's go back for a moment. Let's, let's recall times that you know where the Lord did something, where the Lord came through for you. You, you saw his hand at work in your life. That provision came, that, that healing came, that help came, that wisdom came, and, and, it, and it came, and, and you remembered it, right? I mean, you saw God working in your life. Go back and remember that, and not, not only remember, but, but recite it again. Because if God has helped you before, he has to help you every time. <laughs> he has to. He doesn't change. So if he's done it before, he will continue to do that because he's the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. So be confident in that. I, I, noticed, I know from my own self, it's something my father taught me years ago. He said, you need to recall the past victories. When you can't see that victory, when you're, you know, you're struggling about it, you got to go back and say, oh, wait, wait, I remember when God did this. I remember when God did this. I remember when this happened. And before long, you've preached yourself happy, right? And you get the right perspective. So be encouraged today and hold fast your confession of faith. You know why? Because the Bible says, because he who promised is faithful. He will deliver the goods. God is a promise-keeping God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.